Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Love Podcast. Well, I'm looking forward to unpacking what it means to love like Jesus, to love like God, to imitate God, to imitate Jesus, to be trained by the Father, by Jesus, especially as they teach and train us through one another and through the scriptures. So I'm looking forward to unpacking this. I hope you are looking forward to it too. Well, here's where I want to start. Mostly as we look at these various scriptures and unpack it, is that what I've kind of titled this part of it is the manner of love or the heart or the feel of love when it gets expressed in action. As we look at some of the characteristics about God and about Jesus, there is a feel to the way that they express action, that it comes across not mechanically or dutifully or as just behaviors alone, but that these behaviors are expressed with a sense of heart, with a sense of emotion, with a quality, a kind of expression that exhibits their heart, that exhibits their love. And Pete and I were trying to even unpack this idea and define it and It's probably going to become just more clear as we walk through it. But the place I want to start is with God's own revelation. If we're supposed to imitate God, we should begin with his own revelation of himself. And that is Exodus 34, 6 and 7. That's the song for those of you that have the CD, I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Well, before the Lord says that to Moses, Moses is having this moment with God where God's at a place where he's saying, you know what, I don't think I'm going to go with you. And Moses responds, like, going, Lord, if you don't go with us, then why go anywhere? Because it's your presence that defines us. It's you with us. And if you don't go with us, then we don't want to go anywhere. It's the thing that distinguishes us from all the other peoples of the earth, that you are actually with us, which, of course, then was by the pillar of cloud and fire. Or the fact that that could be seen in such a way that earlier in chapter 33, Moses would go out and pitch a tent, and it says the cloud would come and hover over, and and Moses would meet with God face-to-face, and they would speak together face-to-face as with a friend, which honestly, you guys, I just have so much fun lately on First Love weekends and whatever, is that our quiet time and our group times would become tent of meeting times in the presence of God where he speaks to us and loves us face-to-face, person-to-person as with a friend as he did Moses. This is the exciting thing about what's going on in that as it were, our very selves as the temple of God have become that tent of meeting, that place where God comes. So anyway, he's up there. He says, you know, Lord, we don't want to go anywhere without you. And then he asks God, show me your glory. To which God's answer is, Moses, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, Yahweh, in your presence. And then he says, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. 
So there is a sense in which God's presence and his glory goes by, but Moses can't see God. He can't look upon God and live, the scripture says. God is far more interested in revealing to Moses is not the splendor or radiance or whatever that brightness, that glory of God look like, but that he wants Moses to know of his character, of his heart, of his ways, who he is and what he is like, which is why he says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, in your presence. I've entitled the thesis, the Jesus brand, equipping Christians to experience God loved them so they can love as loved. The Jesus brand, meaning that we have his name on us, his name is a brand name. That brand name is supposed to represent something. It's supposed to mean something. And it's the same idea where God says, I will proclaim my name. The Israelites had God's name on them. They were called his people. They were known by his name. And his name was supposed to mean something. His name represented, I guess the closest thing I could think of is Disney, Right? The minute anybody hears Disney, it just immediately creates ideas in your mind. I mean, you just can't help it. You think of places and rides and characters and on and on and on. And probably if you were to think about it in terms of heart, Disney means fun. It means family. It means imagination. It has all that other stuff, not just those physical things, but it creates a sense of pleasure, of fun, of fascination, of being together as family and Disney. Disney does that. That word does that. Well, this is the same idea where when somebody would hear the name Jesus, when somebody would hear the name Yahweh, that there would be that same reaction that, ooh, that means love. That means kindness. That means compassion. That means mercy. That means grace. That means joy. That means peace. That means life abundance. That means inheritance. And on and on and on. That name should evoke life. Abundant life. Amazing life. And so many wonderful things about relationship. Loving relationship with him and others. And that's why when he goes by, he says, I'm going to proclaim my name. And then he says, and here is what you can expect from that name, from me, the one who is that name. And so it says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming Yahweh, Yahweh, which means I am, I am, the one who is, the one who is, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Well, we're going to unpack those words a bit, especially as they appear in the New Testament in the life of Jesus and in lists that Paul gives about what it means to put on God, to put on Jesus, to put off the old, to put on his likeness, to love like him. We're going to unpack all those words, but for this one, we're going to start with love. He says, 
abounding in love. Abounding in love. Now, the other translations say abounding in unfailing love or abounding in steadfast love or abounding in loving kindness. It's an unfailing love, a steadfast love. It's loving kindness. But it's at the very core, the very essence of who God is, right? Because in 1 John 4, 8 and 16, he says, I am love. God is love. For Paul in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, he opens with, for the fruit of the Spirit is love. In the Colossians list that we're going to look on, where he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving whatever grievances you may have against one another. And then he says that awesome statement, but over all these virtues, above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Or where he only begins with two in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and says, love is patient, love is kind. These are descriptions of the love of God. But the main reason that the scholars believe that Paul began in Galatians with the fruit of the Spirit or in his list of fruit of the Spirit and began with love is because, as one of the scholars said, it's the pride of place in that for Paul and his own understanding of God and theology, that was the primary attribute, that he understood God to be like and the way that he related to his people. So consider Ephesians 2.4. Remember, he says, but then because of his great love for us, because he is rich in mercy, he made us alive in Christ even though we were dead in our transgressions. In Titus 3, 4, he says, But when the love and kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And again, that mercy word you see is side by side with love, and we're going to unpack that in, in one of the other sessions. But notice that he begins, it's because of his great love for us that God appeared and demonstrated love in the final benediction in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, where he's describing in a way what each of the trying persons do. He says, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See, as far as Paul was concerned, Ultimately, and as I mentioned to you last time, to imitate God, to imitate Jesus, to be like them is to love like them, where he says, walk, conduct yourselves, live in love, because ultimately that is what it's all about, but it gets expressed in a variety of different ways. Now, the thing that's also wonderful and powerful is that this love gets defined even more so by Jesus himself in John 15, 13. Remember, he says, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Which, of course, moments later, after that Last Supper, he goes out and he's arrested and tried and beaten and whipped and dies for us all. 
where later John in his letter writes, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and so we also ought to lay down our life for one another, that we would love like Jesus, lay our lives down as he laid down his life for us. But then Paul even goes one step further to define that love, where in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, one that many of you may know or have heard, where God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Well, the amazing thing is in verse 6, he calls us ungodly. In verse 8, the one I just said, he calls us sinners. But in verse 10, he says, while we were yet God's enemies. And that's the amazing thing. Jesus had greater love as no one than this than they lay down their life for a friend. But here in Romans, Paul's going even further to describe the love of God, the love of God was that he would send Jesus to do this for us when we were ungodly sinners and enemies. Or even John said it this way, this is love. It wasn't why we were loving God that he loved us. No, we weren't loving God. But still, he said, God loved us by sending his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, the way this ultimately gets defined, I think, in a practical way is in Romans 15:2, where Paul says, So, we do not seek to please ourselves, but we look to please our neighbor for their good, to build them up. It's about pleasing our neighbor, caring about our neighbor for their good, for their benefit, for their sake, to build them up, regardless of if or whatever, anything happens for us. This is the essence of the love of God. This is the nature of the love of God. It's self-sacrificing instead of self-gratifying. It's selfless instead of selfish. Or it's other-pleasing instead of self-pleasing. This is the love of God. This is the primary virtue, primary character, the very essence of who he is. He is love. But that love defined, that love defined is a love that loves ungodly sinners, enemies, a love that pours itself out, a love that lays its life down. It's a love who bends over backwards to say, this is how valuable you are to me, how much you mean to me. And you know what? God said, I abound. I abound in this kind of love. Not only do I abound in it, but I maintain it. And because of my love, I forgive you of your wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Because of that love, I am compassionate. I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I am patient. I am kind. All these things we're going to look at. It's because of who he is as love and the nature of that love that is utterly other-centered, self-sacrificing, not self-gratifying, selfless, not selfish. This is who our God is. This is the love that he's demonstrated and continues to demonstrate to us in such a way that it would transform us and that we would imitate him as a dearly loved child, that we would imitate Jesus or at the heart and soul of everything, where we love as God, as Jesus, 
has loved us. This is not something we simply read about and try to go out there and do because of what we read. It's something that we're able to express, empowered to express in the power as the first fruit of the Spirit. We're able to express that love because we've experienced that love. We know that love. We not only experienced it when we got saved, but we know there's times when we act a bit ungodly or sinful, maybe even sometimes like an enemy, and yet he still comes because he maintains that love and forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's the one we're becoming like, and we become more and more like him. It's easier and more natural, second nature, to do that when we've experienced it and seen it over and over and over again and become second nature to us to imitate it, to put it in practice as we've learned and seen and heard, received, then we put that into practice. And why, 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 why do we do all of this? Why is the Lord trying to transform us that we would love the way they love? Because people need to see God who he really is, what he's like, and that he would be so attractive to them through us that they would go, who is this God? Why are you the way that you are? That it would stir up conversations so that they too would come into a relationship with God, be loved beyond measure, be loved beyond comprehension, and begin to live like them, which would bring joy and peace to their lives, abundance to their lives. Isn't that what we want for your friends? It's what the Father wants. It's what Jesus wants. It's what the Spirit wants. So, Lord, say it to us again. I am Yahweh, Yahweh, your compassionate and gracious God. I am slow to anger with you, and I abound in steadfast loving kindness in unfailing loving kindness for you. And I keep that love for you all the time, every moment of every day. And even when you don't deserve it, I forgive you, your wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Imitate me as a dearly loved child and live a life of love. Just as I, Jesus, love you and gave myself up for you, Thank you, Father. Help us, Lord, to make time to be with you, to be loved by you with this kind of love so that we can give it away and see others be drawn to you. And joy and peace enter into relationships and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.